This is the Funville Nine, driven by AAA, the official podcast of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Here's your host, Trey Wilson. Hello and welcome to today's Flying Squirrels pregame conversation. Today I got a chance to chat with Josh Norris from Baseball America, talking a little bit about some Giants prospects. Uh, Josh has a big hand in putting together the Giants Top 30 for Baseball America, along with a handful of other organizations. We talked a little bit about that process, what goes into ranking those Top 30 prospects. I think we get that question quite a bit. Uh, You know, What's the separator between one and two? How do you decide who falls where? Uh, he sheds a little bit of light on some of the things that go into how that top 30 list comes together, the top 100 list as well for their overall prospects. And we talked specifically about a handful of Giants minor leaguers who uh, some of them have been in Richmond this year, some of the higher profile prospects for San Francisco, and quite a bit more. Here's my conversation with Baseball America's Josh Norris. Today, getting a chance to catch up with a familiar face around the Eastern League and a familiar face for anybody who follows prospects in minor league baseball. It's Josh Norris from Baseball America. Josh, welcome back to Richmond. It's good to see you. Thank you very much, Trey. It's good to be back. Just a quick two-and-a-half-hour drive up here to see a couple games here in lovely Funville. (laughs) Funville, indeed. So... You've got the way that I guess each of y'all at Baseball America that kind of works on some covering some of these systems, you've each got a handful of teams that you focus on. What are the organizations that you focus on? The Giants and then a few others, right? So for the, the handbook, I do the Giants, the Rangers, the Marlins, and the Yankees. And we've started introducing in-season adjustments to our top 30s uh, last couple of years, and I added the Pirates and the Guardians for the last two years. for those. But then they get handed off to other people for the book. I think a lot of people are curious about the process of how you come up with the top 30 prospect rankings. Uh, it's obviously not an exact science, but you shed a little bit of light on some of the processes that go into figuring out where all of these players fall in the top 100, where they fall in an organizational top 30. You know, a lot of it is just really reporting. That's all it is, is calling people internal and external and trying to gauge who's going to give you the best information at and most updated information, trying to gauge injuries and all these things. You know, I, my Rolodex right now, I, I looked at it the other day, I had 68 text messages open. 34 of them were from scouts or player development people. So, like, I talk to a lot of people all the time to try to nail down as, mu- as best I can, and I can't emphasize that enough, as best I can what the current state of the organization looks like and who's at the top, who's gone up, down, this, that, and the other. But you're going to miss because sometimes players get better, sometimes players get worse, and sometimes it's for reasons you can't really you know, you gauge by watching the game. This is a little bit of a mesh of you'll travel around, you'll go to the Fall League, you'll go out west, you'll see some teams there, you'll come to some parks, so you'll get your own eye test, and then you'll pull in some opinions from player development people, from, from internal scouts, from opposing scouts, and kind of piece it all together and see... Uh, what the kind of the consensus opinion is on some players. Sure, and, and I don't really consider myself an evaluator in any way, shape, or form, but what I do when I'm at the ballpark is I do watch and I do see. Like, I saw Carson Wisenhunt last night, and, you know, I, I, that changeup is adver- as advertised. This is pretty nasty. Um, but you're also networking. You're meeting new scouts, new people. Like, if I'm covering the Giants system, you'll often hear, well, I cover the Giants system, but I have San Jose, Eugene, and Sacramento, and such and such other guy does Richmond, because that's a pain in the butt to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in your coverage, especially if your other teams don't have East Coast cities. So I'm out here trying to say, okay, who's out here? Who can I talk to later? Um, a, lot of, a lot of what I do is networking, and it doesn't hurt to see a lot of teams, but you know, I've had a scout ask me, like, when I tell my list of teams, like, how do you see all those players? But I don't. 
because I don't have a major league travel budget. I have mm-hmm. what I can afford, and I, I'm certainly not going to see all the Yankees affiliates, all the Marlins affiliates. I I will see Eugene because I'm an, an Oregon grad, and I can you know finagle my way out there from time to time. But I'm not going to see Sacramento. I'm not going to see San Jose. We've got Kyle Glazer out there. He'll see those guys. Well, you mentioned Carson Wisenhunt made his debut last night for the Flying Squirrels. You got has you guys had him at number eight in the Giants' top thirty going into this year. Uh, I know that those rankings are going to change soon. We'll hold off. We'll see what those look like when they yeah. come out uh, in the next few weeks. But for Karsten Wisenhunt, there's a guy who didn't get to get seen a lot in 2022. And, you know, very brief introduction to pro baseball, maybe a little bit of time on the Cape. And now this year, he's kind of blown everybody away at the lower levels of the minor leagues. So how much of an impact would, would you guys take into it? Like a midseason update on what a guy coming right out of the draft has done in low A and high A. Now you've got to see him one game at double A. You know, I think I think there's a there was a little bit of caution. Like you expect a guy like Carson Wisenhunt to blow away the competition in San Jose. That's a D1 pitcher from a, a high end program. East Carolina is certainly one of the better college programs in the country, and you expect him to do very similar in Eugene. Maybe a little tougher, but we saw what Kyle Harrison did there last year. And sometimes the competition isn't you know up to the station of a pitcher like Carson Wisenhunt. So I was I thought last night was probably going to be a bigger test. Spoiler alert. I guess reverse spoiler alert, it wasn't. Uh, he, he carved last night. That changeup did wonders against Altoona, and it was the same. You kind of played to the scouting report. You know? Pretty good fastball, nasty changeup. Now you got to see what the breaking ball looks like. I was a little tentative on him last year just because, like you said, there were variables. The PED thing, having not pitched a whole lot, even didn't pitch a whole lot in the fall league, I didn't get to see him in the fall league because he pitched in the second part because he had uh, an illness. Um, so I didn't know what to do with him, but you give him credit for being a first-rounder, and you say, okay, well, you go up or down in you know a month or two when the season starts. That's kind of how I how I, I deal with it. Like, your first-rounder, you're probably going to be in the system's top ten unless, you're, unless something really stupid happens or your system is stupid-loaded. Well, another one that you talk about playing at the level, there was a lot of talk about Vaughn Brown uh, last year playing at an advanced age, playing in low A and high A, but he did very well. And now we've gotten to see him up here at a little more advanced level, playing against probably comparable aged players in double a and he seems like he's done very well you guys had him at number six mm-hmm. uh, you only got to see him for one game in this series but it doesn't take a whole lot of seeing von brown to see what kind of a package of tools he brings to the table what have you thought about him so far yeah the, the one he that i wrote down strong really really strong can can fly uh you know that's power speed combinations there you know he was very old for the levels last year i i understand that and he kind of took it with a grain of salt that he's probably not going to be what he was at the lower levels because that would have made him the best player on the planet <laughs> i think but he's a really good it was it was a hard juggling the center fielders in that organization or in this organization last year with him mccray kind of a four tool player like the hit tools in question uh brown had the variables of you know, he's, what is he he's 25 24 25 years old playing against san jose and eugene mostly and then it's also injuries and then Matos, who I'm sure you're going to ask me about here in a second, who I fell in love with in San Jose and in the Easter, uh, the Arizona Complex League, and then kind of had some issues last year and has rebounded quite nicely this season. Yeah, we'll talk about Matos in just a second, but you did mention one other player I want to ask about, and that's Kyle Harrison, talking about age for the level. It's kind of the other way around last year. He was the youngest player ever to play for the Flying Squirrels as a pitcher, youngest pitcher ever for the Flying Squirrels when he debuted at 20 years old last year, dominated double-A in a league where the average age is like 24, high school draft pick, and he's had a little bit of trouble early on in triple-A, but it seems like he's starting to adjust to some of that. What have you guys thought about Kyle Harrison? 
I think Kyle Harrison is, is roughly the same as what we thought of him last year. It's really good stuff. He's a really athletic guy. I mean, I loved watching his delivery last year. I came up here to see him last year. And you know that his back knee sometimes actually bumps the ground, which <laughs> tells you, like, he's pretty flexible, pretty athletic. Uh, you know, and But there's also, can he maintain that? Can he repeat it? It also adds, I remember talking to Anthony Volpe here because you guys played Somerset when I came up here. Like I said, I do the Yankees, so I matched him up. And he said the way the, that Harrison's body worked when he gets low but the fastball continues to stay up, it really kind of makes your eyes kind of bounce around in your skull trying to watch it. But with Harrison, it's always going to be command. That's going to be the issue. If he changes the way some of his delivery works deception-wise, he might lose it might gain command but lose deception. So it was a, he's riding a very fine line. Like, he's – it's it's really going to be command for him. I guess that's a, the, the most succinct way I can put it. If he figures that out, you're looking at the mid to a top rotation starter. If not, maybe a little tick less. But this is going to be a major league rotation piece, I think. So maybe not a, maybe a little bit of a spoiler, but the top 100 update came out the other day. And Harrison in the top 100 is now ranked ahead of Luciano. Luciano in the current top 30, number one, number two. There's not usually a lot of separation between one and two. Yeah. Obviously, it's a guessing game. Uh, but do you think when the new update comes out, we might see a little bit of a shuffle in the top five or ten for the Giants? Yes, I think we <laughs> I can tell you we will. I've got a pretty clear idea of what I want to do with it. Um, the guy like Wizenhunt is going to move up a couple ticks. Matos is going to move up a couple ticks. Now, those guys have really kind of separated themselves early. Harrison jumps in part because of the performance. You know, Luciano, I'm less scared about the performance. He's still really young for the level, but I'm scared about the injuries. He's had a couple back injuries. That really scares me a little bit, and I know he's young and will recover, but that's recurring at this point, and I don't know how it's going to affect him going forward. It's certainly going to affect him, I think, defensively. I think less of a chance of him playing shortstop, so... That's why I jumped him. I was pretty steadfast Luciano over Harrison in the preseason uh, if, for no other reason than pitchers come with a tremendous amount of risk and hitters usually less so. Uh, and I'm not one to give up on a guy that young at that level. So, But the, the back injury does scare me a little bit, and Harrison has performed. Another player that you mentioned a few minutes ago, we'll come back to now, Luis Matos, who's another one who's young for the level when he got here. Uh, maybe a little bit of a disappointing 2022, but got to double A, almost never struck out, hit for a little bit of power, showed off some speed, did kind of everything that we had hoped to see out of him, and got out of here quickly up to triple A. Uh, for Matos, is that a guy that you guys see making a little bit of a jump here in 2023? I think he already did make that jump. I mean, he's going to, and he's going to move up the list. Um, I think I'm heartened because last year his problems were twofold. One, injuries. That happens. But the other one was in 2021 when he was in San Jose, he was a really, you know, his, his success masked the fact that he was really an aggressive swinger. He was one of those players that might not have struck out a lot, but he was a guy that, because he could make contact with so many different things, he tried to make so many contact with so many things. And there's a difference between contact and quality contact. And he found that out in Eugene when you try to make contact with pitchers' pitches and you're resulting in ground outs or weak flies or all that stuff. And then so you, you kind of try to be more passive. And so you're caught in between approaches, swinging too much, not swinging enough. And once he seems to have found a, a happy medium between those approaches, success has started to come. And it's easy to, I guess the term is post-hype prospect, it's easy to think he should be 40 years old by now, but he's 21. And he's going to be 21 all year, if I, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. 
um, he's starting to show the potential that I thought he had in 2021 and Giants officials thought he had in 2021. I, he's going to move up pretty solidly. Well, I mean, there's only so many spots he can move up in the next report. Um, yeah, he's he's a player, man. He's a real prospect. And he, we just put him in our top 100. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy for it. I think that the 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 expectations got a little bit skewed over the last few years with so many guys getting to the big leagues and having success at 19, 20, 21 years old with like Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. kind of maybe Ronald Acuna Jr. kind of throwing off the curve for some of the other guys. People, I think, for they get a little bit, they start thinking, oh, this guy, we've been hearing about him for five years. He's been in the system for three or four years. And you put, then you forget that he's only, he's only 21 years old. So another one who's pretty young, uh, but also seems like he's been around a while. High draft pick, Patrick Bailey. Uh, we knew that the defense was there. Minor league gold glove last season. You know he knows how to handle a pitching staff. This year, the bat was there. 14 games in AA, 14 games in AAA, and off to the big leagues. And now we're seeing a little bit of what people thought that he might have been uh, coming out of the first round in 2020. Yeah, and I think we were surprised a little bit when he got drafted where he did because it was like at that point Joey Bart was the catcher of the future. And it was like, okay, well, you have him. Why you don't – it's not necessarily uh, or it's not usually something that MLB teams do that is, is drafting for need like an NFL team might. So, well, wait a minute, why are we doing that? So they, they thought maybe yin and yang. You have more defense on Bailey's side and more offense on Bart's side. Well, I mean, Giants fans don't need to tell me that it hasn't worked out that way and they've been struggling to fill that position at catcher for some time. But, yes, you're correct, and, and you, know, you, you know as well as I do that Bailey came with a pretty stellar defensive reputation, both here in Richmond and at NC State and USA Baseball. He was on a lot of teams, so he's handled his, more than his fair share of really talented pitchers, and he was going to be a catcher. Now, there were some dings on him on the way up. Um, the injuries were there, and there's sometimes some scouts were – turned off a little bit by parts of his defense but he seems to have gotten that in order and I'm talking to you it sounds like his head's been a little clearer but you know he's he's done well for himself I I, I didn't see this coming I kept him alive on on our 30 I believe just because you know catching is in such short supply and he can absolutely do that and the barrier for entry for catcher is not particularly high so if he could hit at all he would find his way to the big leagues in at least a backups role. But right now, it looks like he might be exceeding those projections. Last one for you, Josh. Is there anybody in the system, in the Giants system, that maybe isn't getting a ton of attention that you think is a little bit of a sleeper that people might ought to pay a little bit closer attention to uh, coming up over the next few months? You know, it hurts my green and yellow duck heart to say this, but Wade Meckler. Uh, I don't know if he's, I don't know how much ink he's getting. I'm one of the primary guys who puts down that ink. But, <laughs> but... He can hit. He can really hit. And just talking to their guys last year, it's like bat-to-ball skills. I mean, that's we talk about the five tools. That's the most important one for a, for a position player. He can hit. He can put the bat on the ball, and he can do dan- and he can you know cause havoc on the base. Is he going to be a guy who hits twenty home runs? No, but he can hit, uh, fit in at the top of a lineup and be a really really good hitter. And I think you know, there's some hickeys still on the card, but you know once he gets back and healthy. Should be a really fun one to watch. That that guy is going to be interesting at the very least. Yeah, Richmond fans got a brief preview of Wade Meckler. He's on the injured list right now, but hopefully we'll see him back soon. I haven't heard anything in that regard, but that's just my own personal optimism. Josh, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. It's always good to see you in Richmond, and enjoy the rest of your stay while you're here. Thank you very much, Trey.